Well, take your Bibles and stand with me and turn to Romans in chapter number 8. If you would please, Romans in uh, chapter number 8. Appreciate, Pastor, this opportunity to preach uh, this evening. And uh, as you mentioned, quite a few guests here uh, uh, tonight. And I want to encourage you to come back and hear Preacher Preach. Amen. And in that way, and uh, I was kidding around with Pastor up here and I said, uh, are, are you ready to go? He's like, I thought you were preaching. I'm like, well, I mean, I, I, I'm ready to preach, but my readiness uh, is probably not as equal to your uh, just kind of on, on the, uh, what, do, what do you call it, on the, on the whim. <laughs> and that's sad to say, but I want to preach what the Bible has given me. Amen. And uh, I, think the, I think we got something here out of his word. And uh, once again, I appreciate this opportunity. I love youth night. I truly do. And I love seeing the Lord work in through the lives of teenagers. Uh, have grown up here at Southwest Baptist Church. And uh, I can't believe it's, it's uh, almost been 17 years. Uh, it'll be 17 in August officially. Uh, we came on staff here. And uh, it's just been a blessing. It's just been a blessing. And uh, some, some of the teenagers weren't even born then. And now, now here's this old grandpa up there. Uh, their youth pastor, if you would, and it's just neat to see how God's uh, worked in their lives and through their lives in that way. And, and uh, I love this church. And uh, I'm so thankful for it. And uh, I've only been a part of two churches my whole life. Uh, the church I came from in St. Joe for 18 years and then came to Heartland. And this has been my, my church um, uh, since then. And um, I'm pert near 40 years old now. <laughs> And some of you, that's young. I know it is, but I'm so thankful that once again, I've been able to grow up here in a way um, uh, at this church. And uh, I've got a lot of moms and dads out there. Some I wanted, some I didn't. <laughs> Amen. And I got a lot of friends out there that I, that I count as um, my closest, my closest friends. And so, all right. I gotta tell a dad joke. Amen. Teenagers, so brother Seth, you gotta get in your element. I don't know what that means, uh, but I got this dad joke here. Why? Uh, why don't they? Uh, why do seagulls not fly over the bay? Because if they were, if they fly over the bay, they would be called bagels. <laughs> That's as good as it's gonna get tonight. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. All right, so Romans chapter number eight. Begin reading verse number one. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I love what Paul's saying here. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of his sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Amen. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That sounds a lot better. Yeah, sounds a lot better. 
because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh. Hello, is there any saved people out there? But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you now. If any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that hath raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So the question is, who is the main influencer of your life? Who is the main influencer of your life? You may be seated. Now, this might sound funny, but I want to be an influencer. I thought I'd get more cheers than that, but that's okay. I want to be an influencer. I want to, I want to influence people and get paid for it. Here, there's the key there. He said, Brother Seth, you're a youth pastor. You influence. But I want to get paid for it. Like, you know, these influencers that you see online, these uh, ones that, uh, uh, that will uh, open up uh, uh, some type of a tool or some type of toy and they'll start describing it and they'll start uh, looking at it and talking about it and then all of a sudden they get paid millions of dollars because they have a British accent. <laughs> or, or because I, I saw my kids watch uh, many YouTube videos of, of, this, of these influencers, if you would, that they're, that they're saying, get this product, do this, uh, uh, this will change your life. And I'm just looking at it and it's just like, it's something insignificant. It's, it's not any, anything, any, anything big, but it's, they're saying it. They have credibility. They have celebrity, celebrity, anyways. They have authority on it. Um, they're, they're able to uh, say, well, this is, uh, uh, this is a good product or this isn't a good product. And therefore, they influence people and, and, and in that way. And someone, someone is giving them money to do that. It's us. <laughs> um, this is kind of an inside joke. But the Googles say an influencer is a person with the ability to sway potential buyers of a product or service by promoting or recommending the items on what we would call a social media platform. As someone who has the ability to sway potential buyers. Um, you know, people with enough credibility or authority on those certain platforms get people to buy something that they didn't even know that they needed. Or wanted. Uh, you know, like I said, I've seen... Uh, teenagers uh, on these platforms. I've seen my own kids on these platforms and they're, 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 they're describing it and all of a sudden now they want it. It used to be commercials. 
You know, for us parents who uh, would allow our kids to watch, you know, TV during the morning times, it just it doesn't matter uh, what cereal product is being promoted, that whatever cereal product on that certain time, that's what they want the next day. Uh, it could be back in the olden days when people used to eat things called Wheaties. Yeah. Um, they, would, they would put somebody on there of influence, like the best basketball player in all the world, Michael Jordan. Just didn't want to throw that out there. Or, or a, a, a legit football player, you know, or some along those lines. Somebody who would influence somebody to buy a product. Um, I didn't know this, but uh, in order to become an influencer, you have to have followers. Okay? That makes sense. So people, think about it this way, people who follow other people... Uh, there, there are there are levels uh, to this to these influencers. So, someone who has a following of about five hundred thousand to a million, they're called macro influencers. They have over a million people watching them. Doing what? I don't know. I don't watch it, so I, I don't know, but I'm just saying that they have, in, they have people following them and liking them, and so therefore all, all they're doing is uh, conducting these, these products, and, and people are buying into it, and they have major influence, and people that have over a million followers are called macro-influencers. Uh, most influencers are what we consider micro-influencers. They don't have like ten to 50,000. Those poor people can't get to the macro level. Then you have some, they're called the nano-influencers. They've got a thousand. And that's a thousand more than I have. <laughs> so uh, an influencer has a, a following, if you would, a substantial amount of follow, followers, if you would. Uh, ha, ha, the, my, the question would be, how does a person become an influencer? Well, they, they become an influencer by practicing, planning, uh, even conducting uh, uh, creative ways to share to the audience how to sell this product. A uh, part of it should be planning, and the content should be uh, good enough that the catch this that the audience will be engaged all day about it or thinking about it all day in order to buy the product. That uh, takes a lot of work. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you just have to have some type of accent, or you have to have. Uh, some type of niche, if you would, and, and uh, something that's a little bit different than everybody else, and therefore you become this big, huge influencer. Uh, in our passage here uh, this evening, uh, there, there are actually two types of influencers that are grasping for your life. Um, not just your physical life, yes, but also, more importantly, your spiritual life. And if you've been around church long enough, you've been around preaching long enough, you know that it's nothing new. It's, it's nothing that we haven't seen before in, in the word of God. But it's these two influencers. It's the flesh and it's the Holy Spirit. These two influencers here uh, make a huge impact on your life on a daily basis. Um, in, in Romans chapter number eight, leading up to this, uh, leading up to this point, uh, thinking about the Holy Spirit, I don't think there's any other 
influencer, if you would, that has more credibility, that has more authority, that has, that has, that has more uh, things uh, on its side than the Holy Spirit to where a Christian would, in other words, in other words why would they even follow something else? But we do. We, we um, have this ongoing battle, if you would, about these influences in, in our life and in our hearts. Uh, Paul, leading up to chapter number uh, eight here, uh, talks about these influences in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, what, what we come to find out here is from chapters one all the way through chapter number seven, the, the, the spirit is only mentioned one time. One time, the spirit, the spirit. Just in chapter eight alone, the spirit is is reported almost 20 times. So you go from the spirit not even mentioned by Paul for for almost seven chapters now to chapter eight. Being put, put before us almost 20 times, we need to take notice. We need to take notice. By the way, it should be made clear that the that the Holy Spirit uh, is not merely an impersonal power that uh, uh, emanates from God. Uh, let me make more sense of that. Uh, sometimes growing up as a kid, when I think about the Holy Spirit, I, I think literally about a spirit. That that kind of comes and goes in, in my in, in my life. I, I think about somebody or something that that comes into my life, comes into my heart, is there for just a little bit. Then all of a sudden it is gone in, in a way that's true. Because when my flesh takes over, the spirit leaves, meaning the spirit that allows me to do what's right. The spirit that allows me to to think right. Uh, things uh, to have a, a right mind. I'm not saying we're, some of you are like, oh, you're losing your salvation. No, you, you're not, you're not catching what I'm saying. I'm not saying you lose the Holy Spirit, meaning you lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen. All right. I'm preaching amongst friends here that understand that aspect, but listen, I don't always feel saved. I don't always feel like the spirit lives within my heart and within my life. And, and, and I preached to the, uh, to the teenagers this morning. The reason I do that is because in the flesh, in the flesh, I can do nothing right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I kept saying this. Come on, help me out here. It's, it's a quiz, all right? Beware. Ready? Beware. Your flesh doesn't allow you to do anything Good. Okay, ready? <laughs> Beware. Your flesh doesn't allow you to do anything. Yeah. You got it. Wow. <laughs> They've slept since then. It's called a nap. But that's the truth. And, and, and how often that we hear it, how often that we understand it, and how often that we go through life thinking, yeah, Within our flesh, we can never do good. There's nothing good about the flesh. Even the Bible talks about it, it profiteth nothing. It's no good. Even John talks about it. But still, we have a problem with it. The reason we have a problem with it is because we got to live with it every day. Every single day, I got to wake up in this flesh. 
Every single day, I got to comb my hair. You say, you missed it. I, okay. Every single day, I got to brush my teeth. Every single day, oh, you should. Every, every single day, I got to wake up and do all these things over and over. And of course, I'm talking about the, the physical flesh, a, the, a part of my body. Yes, we, we understand that. But more importantly, every, every single day on the spiritual part, I've got to get that flesh out. Because right. I wake up with it every day. Um, every night that I pillow my head, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that because it almost gives me a reprieve of thinking, man, I'm just going to, anybody there, like, you just, you go to bed and like, finally, I don't have to contend with the flesh. <laughs> And eat it in in your dreams. <laughs> you wake up and you're like, ah. It's, what I'm trying to get at is we have to contend with it every day. And sometimes we, we think about the Holy Spirit, uh, getting back on that su uh, subject. Sometimes we think about the Holy Spirit in, in our mind, how it's just this impersonal, impersonal power that, uh, uh, that just kind of comes from God every now and then. No, actually, it's a real person. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a real person, just as God is a real person, and, and, and uh, the, Jesus is a real person, and uh, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. It, it's a real thing. He's a real person. Uh, he, he is a person of the member of the Trinity, equal, think about it this way, equal in every way to God, the Father and God, the Son. Uh, not that I have to build a case for him, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and mark off a spot here. But it's good to be reminded about this Holy Spirit we're talking about. Among many of his uh, characteristics, he functions with a mind. He has emotions. Okay, you're not catching this. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy, the Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit loves. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit guides. It's okay to say amen. The Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit chastises. He is grieved. He is quenched. He is lied to. He is tested. He is resisted. He's blasphemed. Hey, it's a real person. I shouldn't have to make a case for it, but we just think it's just the spirit. Oh, ooh. Oh, he's a, he's, he's God. He's Jesus. He's the Holy Spirit. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He has divine glory. He has divine holiness. He is called God. He's called Lord. He's called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jehovah, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Jesus, and the Comforter. And if that wasn't good enough, the advocate of all believers. Can I get an amen? amen. He is all those things. Amen. Sounds like somebody that I want to influence my life. Amen. Um, sounds like somebody who sh ha should have a lot of followers. I don't know if there's anything past a macro influencer 
but it should be the Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit has done anything for us. You say, we, have you even got to the scripture? You ready? Verse number one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me tell you about this spirit. It's not like he should influence you because, I mean, all he's done is made you free. Free of what? Condemnation. Condemnation from where? A place called hell. I mean, he hasn't done much for you. So why in the world should he have a major influence in your life? I don't know, maybe because he's set you free. He's made you whole before you were, before you were saved. You were unholy, unrighteous, unrighteous, unwhole. But God came in and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And when Jesus Christ died for you, you had a chance to ask him in your heart. And when, Je- when Jesus came into your heart, the Holy Spirit came in your heart. And now, look, before God, we are no more condemned. And we stand before God, redeemed, free. The Holy Spirit makes us free from the law that used to condemn us, and that law is really good at condemning us. But according to our passage here, and Paul points out that now that we are free by the Holy Spirit, the law cannot claim you anymore. It can't claim you anymore. The law, if you think about this in verse number, number three, the law cannot condemn you anymore. For the law, verse three, for, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Therefore, look, think about it this way. Therefore, when condemnation starts coming, knocking at your door, you can say, um, uh, you can't knock here anymore. The Holy Spirit has set me free. Amen. Now, I'm not going to get off on a rabbit trail, but this is a good one to get off. That doesn't mean and give you liberty to do whatever you want to do. Well, sin keeps knocking at my door and I just tell, hey, I've been redeemed. I've been justified. I've been, well, I'm kind of sanctified, you know, but I've been redeemed. I've been justified. And therefore you keep sinning and keep sinning and keep sinning. Listen, there is a condemnation that's after you, but at least it's not the condemnation that's causing you to go to a place called hell. That's been taken care of. They can't control you anymore. I'm thankful for that. That condemnation that used to control you has no more control of you. Verse number four, that the righteousness of law might be fulfilled in us who walked not after the flesh, but after the what? Spirit. After the spirit. That phrase there, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, is also found in verse number one. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I found this uh, to be pretty eye-opening when I was studying that this phrase is actually a mark, and I thought this was great, is actually a mark of the indwelling Holy Spirit uh, in, our, in our lives. Uh, I don't think you're getting it, and I didn't get it at first. Look, when, when we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, 
we're showing that this Holy Spirit lives within our lives. And that's, look, look, look up here, and that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's not like we kind of, we have to wake up and think, well, uh, you know, today I'm just, I'm not going to walk in the flesh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Listen, that should not be, even be a choice because if the Holy Spirit lives within you, you walk by the, walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That is a true mark of Christianity. This is going over real good. Because we, we think, well, if I, if I do what's right and, man, if I, if I do what's good and, if, you know, all that, then, you know, then I'm walking, I'm walking in the spirit. No. No. You just can't walk into the spirit just because, hey, I just, I just go ahead and choose. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to take control of you. And then when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, you don't even know what's going on. Not that you're in a trance. What I'm trying to get at is like, have you ever walked in the spirit and not in the flesh to come out of like, I don't, I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea why I didn't say that. I have no idea how the Lord worked through that, through me, through me. How in the world can somebody be a youth pastor for 17 years and not go crazy? Like a lot of you think, oh man, at first, like, oh, his brother said, he's kind of getting worse. He's getting a little, he's getting a little worse. Look, I'm up there with teenagers all the time. I got to transition from teenagers down to adults and it doesn't work all the time. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) You might not be, (laughs) but I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, Look, God has called me to preach to teens each and every week up there. Now, my flesh says, time to grow up. Y'all always thought, I just always love doing what I love up there. <laughs> I brother said he had nothing else to do, so he might as well just work with teens. Yeah. You're right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times I've come home and thinking, Lord, are you still using me? I'm filling out 17 behavior slips. I'm talking to every bus worker that we have. By the way, thank you, bus workers. I just, I want to say that publicly. Thank you, bus workers, for bringing in troubled teens. They need the spirit. And they're walking in the flesh. And they they need a place where they can not be condemned unto hell, but a place where they can get conviction and get saved. Amen. Amen. I got six, I got six, six behavior reports getting filled out. I got teachers coming to me, so-and-so, a lot of repeat offenders. But then I get that other piece of paper. Amen. Yes, sir. Decision. Amen. Thank you, Lord, I needed that. The same day we had six behavioral reports for that was the same day that a teenager brought another teenager from their workplace. They came in a little late, but we're preaching out of Romans chapter seven last week and talking about the the spirit, talking about uh, how they can be saved and how how Paul was just going down the road and say, oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do right. and I can't do right. I want to do this and I can't do that. And he's just going down like he's being real, like even apostle sin. I mean, 
Chapter 7, he's just saying, I'm trying to do everything right, but I can't do anything right in my own flesh. I need the Spirit. And that young lady got saved. It's worth it. And I don't know where you are, bus worker. I don't know where you are, Sunday school teacher. I don't know where you are, staff member. I don't know where you are, but listen, walk in the Spirit. Let it influence you. It's a mark of who you are. Walking in the Spirit, it's, it's who you are. You, you think the opposite of walking in the Spirit is, is of course, walking in, in the flesh. But you know what? I have no obligation I have no obligation to that old nature, to that old man that I used to have. Because when we got saved, look up here, we got a new nature. So we have the spirit. I love what verse number five talks about here. It says in verse number five, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. I have no more obligation of that old nature. I don't have to write it. I don't have to write it a, a, a going away card. But why do us sometimes as Christians try to refriend them. Refriend the old nature. We didn't like the old nature to begin with. We hated it. We hated who we really are before Christ, before salvation. We hated all that, all the flesh and everything about it. We, we hated it. We despised it. And we get away from it. But why do you mind then the things of the flesh? Think about it. Well, it could be this. Maybe you didn't have the Spirit. I know I'm preaching here Sunday night, and I'm preaching to the choir, if you would. I'm so thankful for that. But there could be somebody in here who's not saved. Hunter, can I? Thank you. Hunter Brees, grown up in church all his life. In a way, grew up kind of in the ministry here at Southwest. Parents, teachers up in the youth department. Struggling with his salvation for years. Two Sunday nights ago, I believe it was, Brother Patterson was preaching. Got convicted and got saved. I know it's a Sunday night, but there could be somebody here who doesn't have the Spirit, who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Can I tell you, today can be the day that you get saved. Because in the flesh dwelleth no good thing. You see, the unsaved person does not have the Spirit of God and lives in the flesh and for the flesh. You, you, you want to know a wrecked life? Live in the flesh. Live in the flesh. I'm not saying if you, 
<laughs> if the, that you are saved, you just have the perfect life. I didn't say uh, that you, you don't sin after you get saved. I didn't say you make no mistakes after you get saved. I don't say you ever fail. You will never fail again after you get saved. I'm not saying any of those, any of those things, but when I'm saying it's a whole, the spirit is a whole lot better than that taskmaster called the flesh. You see the contrast here. We don't, we're not going to take time just to look at every single one of them, but you see a contrast here from verses uh, 5 through verse number 8 about Paul describing the, 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 the flesh versus the spirit, the flesh versus the spirit who's influencing you and who is being influenced uh, 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 in, in a way by you and, and going back and forth. And you have the flesh and the spirit, verse number 5. Verse number 6, you have the death and life. I choose life. No, I'm not just talking about the physical life here, but Paul's talking about the spiritual life. Look, before, before you got saved, you were dead. But when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came into your heart and in your life, and you have life. I love it. You used to be carnally minded, but now you're spiritually minded. That's life. Uh, verse, number, verse number seven talks about a war with God or peace, peace with God. I sure would have liked to have peace with God. Amen. Verse number seven, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Look, there can be no peace when you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. Oh, you can have fun. You can have pleasure. But you can't have peace. That old nature loves to rebel against God. But those who trust in Jesus enjoy peace. And he goes on to say, other contrast would be this, verse number eight, pleasing self or pleasing God. So then they that are in the flesh, Bible says clearly, cannot please God. If you're in the flesh... You can't please God. Later on, it says in the passage how when you get saved, you become God's child. I want to please my father. I don't want to feel like I'm being guilt tripped into pleasing my father either. I'll be the first to raise my hand sometimes as a preacher. Sometimes uh, in that way, you get up here and say, say, do this and do that. Go here, go that. Look, look I don't want to be guilt tripped into saying, hey, God saved me. Therefore, I should live for him. Hello? I should live for him. I should have a, a, a spiritual mind, not a carnal mind. I, I should be selfless, not selfish. I, I, I should do things I'm supposed to do because I have a genuine love for God because the Holy Spirit allows me to have that love for him. Look, dwelleth within Seth Bailey is no good thing. Warning! Warning! Within your own body dwelleth no good thing. It's only the Holy Spirit that allows you to, us to do good. Pastor says it all the time. We're not good people who only do bad things every now and then. We are dirty, rotten sinners who only do good by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm not a good person. I could wear a suit all day and sin. It's coming to my office. It's a choice. 
If we can close it this way, who's influencing you? Who's influencing us on a daily basis? Is, is it the spirit that has full control? By the way, he has the authority. He has the credibility. I don't think the spirit, I don't think we, any of us who truly, look, 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 any of us who have truly lived in the spirit and for the spirit have never regretted it. Right. I've never regretted it. Man, I, I wish I would have never gone to Heartland. I wish I would never have met my wife. I wish I would never have three beautiful daughters. I wish I never came on staff of Southwest. I wish I was, look, I can't go down that road. It'd be ludicrous. The Spirit has never led me astray. But that flesh. Mm. It says, look over here. This is a lot better life. Get out, get out of this church that, you know, doesn't care about you. Now, I know this church isn't perfect. You're about to say because I'm here. This church isn't per perfect. Brother Ted's here. But I'm so thankful for a Brother Ted staying here. He's been one of the greatest influencers in my life. Yeah. Is he perfect? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm his fifth child. He has got four boys. I'd be right there in the line of them. We joke a lot. I'm, I'm his adopted stepchild. <laughs> None of us are perfect. And we can go around this very room and say, mm, flesh. Flesh, flesh. We're really, we're really all good at that. Flesh, flesh. And the whole time, where's the spirit? I'm good at pointing everybody else's flesh out. but I'm really slow at putting out my own flesh. I think we all have a problem with that. So I want the Spirit to influence me. I want it to be the greatest influencer of my life. And I love how Paul just goes right into this. And he just talks about the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, over 20 times. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. It has to have control of your life. Because if it doesn't, you default into your flesh. You hear what I said? You default. It just goes right back. If you're not in the Spirit, then you're in the flesh. So who has more followers? The flesh or the spirit? During your day, just talking about your regular routine, just your regular day, what's influencing your life more, your flesh or your spirit? Your personal time. Talking about like, no, your personal time. That, when I say personal time, you know what I mean by that, like, you're spending that time 
either on yourself, just enjoying your flesh, or your personal time is spent in the spirit doing spiritual things. Who has more followers? Your family time. Does the flesh have more time? Or does the spirit have more time? Oh, now, here, here we go. I'm meddling. Your music. Is it more about the flesh? Or is it more about the spirit? Who has greater follower? Since you brought it up, your entertainment. Well, what has more, is it more spiritual? Or is it more fleshly? Well, I'm not doing anything. I mean, I'm just on Be Real, and I'm trying to be real. Or I'm just on Pinterest, or I'm just on... Look, I, I, what I'm trying to get at is those things inherently, yeah, they're not all, they're not all bad, but, man, is it helping your spiritual life, or is it just, man, just, just bored? Default. I've never been bored, bored in the spirit. I, I make fun of myself right there. I've never been bored in the spirit like, man, it's so boring serving the Lord. Actually, it's like this huge adventure. I have no idea what's going to happen. Every Sunday morning, I have no idea who's going to come off that bus. And it's either going to be on like Donkey Kong or it's going to be boring. <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's, it's an adventure. You knock on that door, door knocking, it's an adventure. You have no idea who's going to come behind that door or not. I got to be done. So who has the most influence in your, in your life? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? I want the, I want the spirit. I'm not just saying that just because like the, the Spirit is so much better. <clears throat> so walk in the Spirit. That's what Christians do. Stop walking in the flesh and making preparation for the flesh and thinking, oh, this is going to be fine. If I'm, not walking in the, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, then I'm just not walking. No, you're walking in one of them. There's no middle ground. So walk in the Spirit. Father, thank you once again for this opportunity. I pray that it would have been help, Lord, to your people. I know within my own self there is no good thing. But Lord, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. To pay that payment. That's causing me to go to a place called hell. Lord, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for the Spirit. My desire as a, as a, as a Christian is to walk in it. Maybe this was just a reminder here this evening. Even about the characteristics of who the Spirit truly is. 
I pray that the Spirit has influenced your life. It continues to. Maybe you're not saved here this, this evening. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Die to self so that you can have new life in Jesus Christ. The altars are open. People will be in the, in the front here. If you'd like to come forward during that time, then during the invitation time, you can do so.